What's up, Blue Moon? You're the only one. Okay, now get Pancake as a hexagon too. You're good. <laughs> I love my hexagon. I love to sport my um, verified authenticity. I've got a custom crop on mine, so I can't do it. Otherwise, I would. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. That's an issue. I Maybe that's something that I'll roll out in future features. Maybe you can send your citizen into a smart contract, and we'll send you like a, uh, a wrapped citizen back that's optimized for PFPs. LFG. Let's go. Great idea. I think I actually already built that, but you never <laughs> oh my God. Trademark that. Trademark that statement. That is the Brocker special. You know, I, I actually already wrote the code for that. Just been waiting to use it. Jesse and I were working on that. It was, it was like you could go to a website and it just had all the cropped photos for your citizens ready to go. The PFP generator? Yep. You guys want to start this up? Yeah. It Let's do it. I'll just say hello, everybody. Welcome to Staking Twitter Spaces number three. Today we're going to be focusing on the interface of the portal. Uh, I'm Blue Moon. I'm a community member who is working with the Bright Moments team to roll out the staking infrastructure and all of that. And yeah, we've been hosting this series of Twitter spaces to get more input from you, the community members, as we're building up the the program or the whole staking interface. So uh, yeah, today, like I said, we're focusing on the interface and that is essentially the portal that uh, we're going to be using to stake our crypto citizens. So I guess the first question here is how our users going to be able to interact with the portal. So basically, um, to, to summarize the other couple spaces, we talked about reward structure. We talked about um, the different like nuances of like how we're going to distribute rewards, etc. Um, the main purpose of this space right now is going to be asking the community what they would like to see from the actual interface. So basically, high level is what functionally would you like to see on the interface as far as the functions that it could offer or is there anything additional as far as um i know we talked about incentivizing rewards previously incentivizing um actual actions um rather than just passive holding does that mean um you know we could potentially have the citizens go to work or have like a citizen retreat where you're sending your citizen to a different part of the world to go do exploration or farming or whatever the case is um and maybe doing something like that or just purely um a dashboard of interaction items like voting or um other stuff that we've talked about um that's kind of the main goal for this is what would you guys like it to look like um very broadly really cool thing to add here is we have currently a placeholder for your collection which soon will show uh, your collection and if you're staking one of your citizens uh, one of the functionality items there might be stream your citizen to a screen so we we have screens at many of our physical locations and if you're staking or actively staking a citizen uh, you might be able to stream your citizens to a to a screen for a certain amount of time if you're staking 
<laughs> Help me understand something, guys. When we talk about staking your citizen, what functionally is what happens when you stake it? Is that when rewards accrue? Is it possible to accrue rewards without? Like, I'm trying to understand. So I'm looking at the interface, and let's say that I have, you know, four crypto citizens. I have one from each city so far. Am I able to do something to them individually? Do I have to do them as a group? Do I need to take an action in order to be eligible to receive rewards, or is it passive? How are you thinking about that? I think overall, we want to incentivize actions. I think uh, we had a good discussion in the last space about like passive rewards and and just basically earning tokens for holding, which I think we kind of want to stray away from. Particularly, staking your citizen would, would just mean claiming the pending rewards that you have for those citizens. So it would most likely be tied to the token ID of the citizen and again non-custodial so you never have to set approval or transfer the citizens out of your wallet or anything like that essentially it would just update a, a field on the smart contract that you have received your rewards and then your next pending amount would be affected by that essentially got it so let me ask a clarifying question let's imagine that I have crypto Venetian number one and I've been holding crypto Venetian in a wallet ending in one two three four for the past year and change and like everything i've done with bright moments i've done out of that wallet with that crypto venetian right i've voted i've minted i've purchased mint passes if i sell crypto venetian one does the owner of that get my rewards or do the rewards accrue to the wallet that was holding it when the action was taken i personally have it implemented right now attached to the token id rather than the wallet that way you can essentially sell say your citizen with a ton of accrued rewards and then there's a whole secondary marketplace for that as well as far as like delegating the airdrops and everything that we've talked about about, I think that would be something cool for people to like have a secondary market on. Do you think that would be confusing for people trying to buy into the crypto citizen community? I've seen this a few times and the best description for me was it's like a key. So your, your citizen becomes a key to your uh, state ERC-20s or, or, or your state coin. So you're, you're effectively transferring ownership of the key to the vault. It's really interesting because I, you know, I don't have a great analogy, and maybe someone can help me out with one of this existing somewhere else. Like the only thing that comes to mind is people that spend a lot of time who level up in a video game and then sell their account to somebody else. Like that to me feels like the closest thing to what this implementation would be. You know, it, it, it certainly like, or you know, in the board ape ecosystem, there are certain apes that have not been, you know, exposed to the serum yet and mutated, and so those have a pre premium on them, although it's not always obvious on the OpenSea like, features which ones those are as far as I know. Are there any other examples of this type of behavior like that we can use as an analogy? Yeah, like um, RuneScape has this. So in, in RuneScape, you, uh, you could grind out your account uh, for years, build it up, and then, or you could build up specific setups and then sell that account. A lot of, uh, a lot of kind of role-playing games implement have this kind of implementation where you have specific builds for accounts, and then those builds have a secondary market where you can trade them. And that's kind of, that's quite a good analogy because that's like time invested into something which you have the credentials for, uh, which you can then transfer to someone else, and then they can log in and, and access that build or whatever's in the account. I mean, that, that seems really interesting because then the value accrues to the NFT, right? Like, yes, you could withdraw the ERC-20 tokens and hold those separately. But if our goal is not to set up some secondary liquidity market for the ERC-20 tokens, 
actually leaving the tokens attached to your NFT is, would be the best way to gain value for them if you wanted to leave the ecosystem. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool idea. And then another idea is to wipe the tokens when the when the NFT is transferred. The benefit to this is that it, in, it does encourage holding and not just like buying and selling, buying and selling. But then obviously there's the downside of not being able to use the tokens after the NFT is sold. Yeah, I guess the one thing I'm thinking about is the way that that, like you said, Phil, would be reflected on OpenSea if you're trying to sell your citizen with these accrued citizen tokens. Like, how would that be shown? Or how would someone know that you have that attached value? That's a great question. I think similar to how the apes have done it, I mean, it could be on the portal where it'll have a list of citizens, all the citizens, all you have to do is put in the number or the collection. Um, for example, Berliners or Venetians mm-hmm. or Galacticans, and then it would just show a number of of penning rewards for example like there's apes that are trading at a premium because their ape coin hasn't been claimed or you know their other side land hasn't been claimed or whatever the case is i think it's very similar to that where you know the people that are aware of that um it will definitely try to make everyone very aware that this you know whole system is occurring that is where they would look most likely on the portal i would say I like that. Yeah, we have a leaderboard for like which citizens have accrued the most citizen tokens that week or month. So this is okay. Let me let me ask another question. I'm holding four citizens in my wallet. I have a Galactic, and a Venetian, a New Yorker, and a Berliner. I vote. Which citizen gets those tokens? Or, or are they distributed across all four? I think it should be distributed equally across all four. Or you could delegate to one. Do I get four times as many tokens or do I get the same amount of tokens and they're just split across the citizens? Or is it some like multiplier? Mm. I think we talked about this last time. I think doing a multiplier would be interesting, but I think there may need to be a cap for that so that it's not extremely skewed. I would say an equivalent distribution would probably be what I would opt for. But then shouldn't we be rewarding people that hold more citizens, like more, like if someone had all four cities, shouldn't those people be rewarded in some way? I think you can make that a separate every month we check on those people and you get like a a snapshot. I like that as well. Yes. So so it's it's interesting, right? Like my kind of naive thinking is value accrues to the wallet not the token because like and this is just the reason i think this is because this is how other airdrops tend to work like if i was doing activity for you know let's say i was buying or selling ens names before the airdrop the airdrop was sent to the wallet address that did it not the ens token even though ens was an nft and like my mental model for that is i think a little bit more well developed i don't have the same sense around tokens like if value accrues to the tokens i think that's really interesting but the fact that you can also separate it out as an erc20 token makes it a little bit more confusing to me like if the only way to get points was to have them locked up and like tied to the citizen as some sort of like internal counter and it wasn't a separate erc20 token that would feel more intuitively right to me but since it's an erc20 token and they also accrue to an nft i I wonder if it's just too complex i don't know i'm curious to hear if there's anyone in the audience that has thoughts on this maybe brocker so what is your thinking about tying it to the token idea what are kind of like the pros and cons i think the main pros are it's transferable so that say i have a ton of accrued rewards on my citizens and i 
for whatever reason wanted to sell one or liquidate or whatever the case is, I think that it should be transferable as a pro because just wiping it doesn't really make sense to me as far as like, it would be fantastic if like all the airline points and stuff that I've recruited over the years, I was able to transfer to other people or whatever the case. You have something to say, Gomez? Yeah. How are you, everybody? GMGM. Hi. Yeah, baby. Yeah. I, I was I was putting a little bit of thought. I think uh, something that could be cool. Maybe um, we reward every city citizen like equally, and then for the hoarders, they can get extra like bumps, like monthly or something. I don't know. That way, like you keep like each each uh, citizen represents. You know, they have they have a voice and they have a vote. But then you know maybe cap it at one per city per wallet and then they can get a bonus if they hold that you know 20 or whatever i don't know just a thought yeah i like that i think the main things we want to solve for um to your point is disincentivizing people spreading their citizens over multiple wallets because there's really no benefit as far as like how the other core like voting structure and everything that we have in place is, is structured it doesn't really benefit spreading your wallets across multiple wallets or spreading your citizens across multiple wallets rather but i definitely agree i think that i think a multiplier inherently kind of makes sense for something like this but i, I i'm cautionary to just make it a flat multiplier which is like you know if x equals the amount of citizens that you own i don't necessarily think that the multiplier should be directly correlated to that maybe some type of like band where it's like up to a certain point of citizens that is like the max multiplier or something like that okay so so the basic one is for every citizen it is directly proportional so if you have two citizens you get twice as many rewards three citizens three times as many and you can imagine that like a line that goes up into the right that's like a perfectly straight line at a 45 degree angle the other way you can imagine it is like a line that starts out perfectly straight. So like, you know, having two citizens is, you know, just about twice as good. And maybe three citizens is a little bit less than three times as good. And it drops off pretty quickly and flattens out. So like the line starts by going up 45 degrees to the right and then flattens to a plateau. So by the time you have, you know, above some threshold of citizens, the additional benefit is not that much. And like it does incentivize people to spread out between wallets. And there's probably some crazy optimizations you can do. But I think it's going to be hard for us to get around that anyway, but we can just try to mitigate it. I, I am still wrapping my head around this idea of value accrues to specific tokens because I like, think I think yeah. you're going you're going uh, somewhere there. I, I I completely like that. That could be an interesting uh, approach. But on the on the other hand, you kind of still want every citizen to have you know the same value. So maybe it's still kind of like the extra ones could go into that. I don't know. I, I, there's a couple things that I'm thinking about. So number one, there is the, um, you know, that like parab parabola kind of parabolic the, curve. Yeah. Yeah. That's like facing the right. You know what I'm talking about? So yep. that does incentivize spreading your crypto citizens around in different wallets, but are there already in place some incentives to keep your crypto citizens in the same wallet because then there could be 
the, these like competing factors that could make it kind of interesting. Right. Yeah, I think the biggest factor is it is expensive and annoying to have your citizens in multiple wallets, right? Like there is a non-zero cost to sending them around. And so what we basically have to do is make it so that whatever small benefit you might get from splitting your citizen across wallets is not going to be worth the expense that you're going to pay in gas fees. And like what a lot of projects do is they rely on wallets as unique identifiers to try to figure out who actual humans are. So they're like, oh, if there's two wallets, it's two humans. And we all know that's not the case. Like it is incredibly easy in crypto to spin up a new wallet. That is why crypto is amazing. It makes it 10 times easier to start a bank account, right? But the thing that we have at Bright Moments that other projects don't have is we know everybody. We've met all of you in person. And so we can do proof of personhood, which is if we can find a way to say like this wallet is tied to an individual, then we can get around that, which is like, okay, maybe you're staking rewards. We've talked about doing co-ops before. We've talked about doing, you know, NFTs that you receive for coming to an in-person event. The flip side of that is like, hey, there are certain rewards or drops where we're going to limit it to one per person. And the way that we figure out who a person is, is like through the Bright Moments IRL. Like if you come to an in-person meetup and you don't have one of these, you can get like a proof of personhood, which is... It sounds super trivial and like in the real world, this comes out of the box, but in crypto, it's actually a really hard unsolved problem that a lot of projects are trying to crack. And I think we have a decent chance at doing it because of our RL component. Um, and so maybe that's the benefit is like, let's say for example, that we're doing an airdrop. Maybe the, the criteria is every person can only enter the airdrop once. And there's no way for you to get more than one wallet with a person account because you need to be at a Bright Moments meetup or something like that. That, that is one way to keep NFTs in the same wallet and try to get around it. It seems like a lot of work, though, and it might be unwieldy as people start buying and selling crypto citizens, right? Like, it'd be hard to keep track of somebody who sells their crypto citizens to, like, let's say there's somebody in China or something, and that person has never been to an IRL meetup, but they own a crypto citizen, right? right? right. How do you know if that's one person or two people if there's two sold to two, two different wallets? It's a good point. I Like, that. that is always going to be the limit case is, like, how we handle people that live far away from a bright moments hub one answer is like make your way to a meetup uh and obviously it's hard for some people depending on where you live and we don't want to exclude people but like in another case there's only 10,000 crypto citizens and all things considered i would love if all of our crypto citizens lived in one of our city hubs or frequently visited them because that makes our in-person community that much stronger and like every project is about something and ours is very much about in-person community and while I love having people join from all over the world, especially cities that we don't have a presence in or, or haven't been there yet. We've seen that the most kind of active members tend to come from those places where we have active in-person meetups. So yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we, you don't do it for every drop. Maybe there's certain drops where you need some proof of personhood and we could figure out some online way to do it. But it's much easier to do this stuff in person than it is over the internet. Um, no one knows you're a dog on the internet, right? Like it's very easy to pretend to be somebody else. Is that an actual thing? <laughs> Uh, do you not know this one? Uh, yeah, no. this is this is like classic internet history. Hold on, let me find this. Phil would know that. <laughs> of course, what you, this is this is it. Um, There's like a meme, right? It's like a New Yorker style. Yes, cartoon, yeah, yeah. Right? It's from it's from 1993. It's a dog at a computer, and he's talking to another dog friend, um, which is like he and he's basically telling us like on the internet nobody knows I'm actually a dog, and he's like on a chat room forum. It's pretty classic. Okay, I, I'm looking that. at it now. Very good, good stuff. Cool. 
and then cue the the more you know theme. We can get there. We go. You learned something today. I think Icon, you had your hand raised. How you doing? All good. How are you? Fantastic. How's how's London life treating you? London is beautiful. We'll be welcoming you all back soon. I hope. Yes, June twenty sixth. Oh, yeah. Be there. <laughs> <laughs> Who's here? Fat King Fred's still here. Yeah, always. Yeah. Uh, 30, 30 Rap will be there next Monday or Tuesday. So he'll be the nice. next incoming uh, person yet. Cool. Well, let me know. I'll buy you a beer. Um, yes. I was just wondering if you checked out the Moonbirds nesting. Yeah. I was actually just going to ask about um, everybody's experience doing NFT staking. Uh, so, I Yeah. I haven't. I don't have experience with moonbirds nesting, but I do have with a couple other different NFTs. Moonbirds. Well, it's the best one I've experienced. Or it's the best um, kind of yeah. The setup. The way. So there, it's your, your token accrues. So rather than wallets, it's um, it's your moonbird which accrues rewards, but. Um, so it's a soft staking mechanism to lock lock up your Moonbird without transferring out of your wallet. There's, there's sort of holders are based, uh, rewards are based on how long you hold the NFT in nesting and don't list it or sell it. And they, the rewards compound depending on the length of time you hold it. So some rewards sort of require a minimum nesting time to redeem. And I remember in the last um, space, I think it was you, Phil, were talking potentially about different tiers, bronze, silver, gold, etc. And the way that Moonbirds has it is that your nest, so you start in a straw nest and then that gets upgraded. So it's just thinking about you. Um, I think Brooke has mentioned um, the, talking about the interface. So you can kind of have... Um, what, what if you send your citizen on a retreat? And depending on how long they were on their retreat, they got upgraded. So, like something like the hotel star system. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you've been away for a week, so here's one star extra. <laughs> or your citizen is now in Bali. Look where they are, and it's like luxury resort. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. It's like you kind of send your citizen on holiday, and or, or you know somewhere, um, and they they kind of they get um, yeah, you're. you're you move up from so for moonbirds you move up from a straw nest to a bronze nest to a silver nest etc but just um and just on the point around the kind of accruing of rewards it actually so they accrue to the token but they it resets if you sell um so actually any new buyer has to start from scratch um so it just kind of it removes the complication of a secondary a secondary market element so maybe brocker that's kind of the answer to our back and forth about like should holding get your get your rewards maybe the answer is no not it doesn't passively but the longer that you've been staking a citizen the higher your multiplier for taking the action is yes so the, there's the only other, yeah. Oh, sorry, Phil. The yeah. only other thing was they they don't penalize you for having more than one moonbird. It accrues to each moon each moonbird. So I know you were worried about or trying to avoid whales um, having unfair advantage, but that's one thing they don't penalize people. I think they're you know incentivizing people to have as many moonbirds as possible. But the the nesting mechanism, I think what works best about it is it's it's it is focused on long term holding um i think the difference here is obviously you're trying to drive specific actions which they don't really have they're not they're not sort of targeting 
IRL actions, etc. But if you haven't looked at it, it's, it's definitely one of the more uh, well thought out staking mechanisms that I've seen. Yeah, another thing that I'm that I'm kind of thinking about with staking, I do like the idea of when you sell your citizen and it accrues a lot of citizens. I guess we'll have to work out the the, the language on that, but. Uh, that like our most active members are able to gain more citizen tokens than a whale coming in. But then on the other hand, it incentivizes our most active members to perhaps sell their citizen because it is worth X amount more than another citizen. And so, yeah, I'm like balancing between those two thoughts. One interesting, one interesting thing also could be if the rewards for showing up in a contributing to the community and in real life events are much higher than just taking a citizen. And then you reward the person that holds a citizen. It doesn't matter how many citizens they hold. They get more rewards when they contribute to the community and when they show up in person. And then if you are like being, you know, a passive staker, then you get equally throughout. I like the idea of if you essentially brought your citizens with you to a new city or a new event, right? Like you're you're showing up and you know, you should be rewarded for contributing, but your citizens are like your plus one or your plus two or your plus ten or however many you have. They're showing up too. I wish we had this ready for just going through the delegate channel in Discord. I think this would have been like that perfect example of a use case. Exactly, where people are rewarded for for delegate minting. Um, so, in, in terms of like the actual, you know, if your citizen is going on a retreat, like I know Moonbirds does the nesting thing. Here's my unpopular opinion, and like I, just full disclosure of my bias. I tend to be like more on the analytical side of things if you haven't noticed from my rambling the past two spaces but like to me those feel like like if your citizen is going on vacation or going to work it feels to me like that is a nice bonus if the mechanism is working but if the mechanism doesn't work it can't fix it and so like you know I think about the the, the moon birds nesting thing like you go from a straw nest and you upgrade super interesting for sure but if moonbirds weren't worth anything, I don't think anyone would care what kind of nest you have. Like it, it, it is an additional perk, but it can't fix the mechanics if we don't get the mechanics right. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. This, I, I have a huge issue with play to earn games. Uh, I, I, I just, and this is sort of related, where like the play to earn games try to do a whole bunch of things to financialize it, and like for some reason everyone's forgotten that video games are supposed to be fun. And I, I almost feel like this is the same thing. Like if if we don't get the mechanism right for the staking, like the, the staking token to be worth something and to be earned for doing valuable things no matter what the user interface like shows it won't well yeah i don't know i i I don't want to sound too much like Mm -hmm. i am not giving credit to like how much fun people can have with this kind of gamification but to me whether or not you're taking a uh, limousine or a dune buggy to Palm Beach for your citizens' vacation is less important. I don't know. Yeah, I I agree. I think we need to like solidify first exactly how you are going to be earning rewards and what will be reflected in those rewards before we decide what it like physically will look like. I mean, I, like for example, we have to 
decide if you can earn tokens by even putting your citizen into a smart contract before we decide what that smart contract will look like, like if it's a retreat or if it's work, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, still the point but, of this. Amicia, to your, to your earlier point, it was like, how do you know if somebody's citizen has a lot of, this is, if we're going with the, the it is transferable, maybe it's just a visual representation of the tier you're at. So if you have a, if you're in a limo, that means you have at least a thousand citizen tokens. If you have a private jet, you have 10,000 citizen tokens. Maybe it's a visual representation of that. I'm sort of less and less for it being transferable, personally. I feel like there are already things that are complicated about staking in general and specifically are complicated about our project. And I don't think it would help us to add another layer of complication to that. And I think that partly like what could be exciting about buying into the Crypto Citizen project is the idea of starting from scratch and like being able to work your way up to some level and like earn those points yourself. Like that is what's exciting. And like if you can just sell your citizen after earning points passively or sell your citizen after being a really active community member because you know you'll get more money for it, then that just feels sort of wrong. 100% agree with that. I think um, you said it well earlier as well. You, it incentivizes wrong behavior if you build up value. If it's if it's going to be more valuable to you to sell your citizen because um, <coughs> it's transferable, definitely want to reset it. You don't want someone, um, you know, I've flown, say I've flown all around the world and been a good community member, and then someone just buys my citizen and they they get to benefit from all that. You definitely want. It, you want to drive the right action so 100% agree with that yep and, you know one of the examples we used earlier was like video games um, RuneScape is one of them I used to play Halo 3 Call of Duty people would buy accounts with you know the golden desert eagle but those were bugs of the implementation not features like the, the video game designer didn't intend for somebody to be able to sell a RuneScape account and while it did happen, I'm not always convinced that it resulted in a good outcome for the other players. Now, like, we are using a different set of primitives here, and crypto does unlock new things, but if somebody wants to get the value that you've earned from your tokens, these are ERC-20 tokens. They could always make you an offer for them without them being attached to the citizen. It, it, I, yeah, th- I, I go both ways on this. This is a very interesting concept. I, I'm having trouble seeing the what the future will turn out to be here because I think it's still very early. Yeah. This this really comes down to like the value that other people are willing to assign. So one of my, one of my favorite things about RuneScape was when a new quest was released because there, there there are different capes you can get in the game and each one represented a different milestone and quests were just so much fun. So there was like a quest, a quest cape and there were hundreds of quests. So if you're a new player, you had hundreds of quests that you could go on. There were so many different storylines you could attach to, um, and all of them were quite interesting. And then when new quests were released, it actually incentivized people to return. So it was created to, to kind of build engagement. But it was all, it was all about uh, you know building and exploring the game and then getting a reward at the end. Um, and the reward was a cape that looked pretty sick. And as the game progressed, uh, you got like capes with sparkles or, uh, yeah, depending on how much you engaged with. So you could just like complete every quest and get a basic cape, or you could go the extra mile and complete all of the side quests, complete all of the extra things and the Easter eggs and get one with sparkles. Um, 
which yeah for some reason was a huge incentive for me so like, i i grind i grinded out so much to get these these capes that had sparkles still still haven't but people people uh would offer me money for them but yeah i don't really want to sell it because it's my rootscape account you know um but it, i probably wouldn't have that attachment if the in-game rewards weren't so fun to achieve and to, and to hold on to. Totally. It sometimes feels like each new city is a quest, right? And like one of the things I love about our project is this this past week I've been reaching out to a whole bunch of crypto citizens who won the airdrop for London and they didn't know that the airdrop for London was taking place, but now that they know they're re-engaged, I've seen them become more active in the Discord, I've, I've seen them planning for London. And so we sort of had this built-in engagement mechanism in in crypto citizens where every three months or so we get this big wave of, you know, people who have been active, but you know, maybe life got in the way or they were focusing on other things, and they basically get another quest. And it's their choice whether or not they want to choose to accept it. It's really cool, and I, you know, that that to me feels like a point where if we can build around that mechanism, which is already working, like that is awesome. Can I ask a question? Sorry, guys, join the space. What's up, Phil? Hey. Hi, hi. Um, my thoughts are like, let's say you're going to a new city, right? And in, in the new city, yeah, you start engaging with the local community, and they pick up a token, right, to mint in their city, right? They're going to be at a disadvantage if everybody who's an existing holder has, yeah, has all these citizen tokens built up. They're going to get them priority for the for the artist drops. So, like, as a as a member of that city, you might be at a disadvantage to get you know the 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 art from your local artists because of the fact that you've only discovered about the project when it's come to the city uh what's the thoughts on how that's going to be tackled but that's the whole that also incentivizes people to try to get a citizen before they come to their city or or like phil said you, you there yeah. are the markets open for people to buy the erc20 tokens mm-hmm. as well i, 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 I guess I, I think specifically yeah. are you talking about the golden tokens phil yeah, so, so I'm saying, like, so, for example, let's say the next city is Mexico, right? And, like, let's say that, like, in the run-up to it, you know, you start sending some people over, you start having some community meetings because you're trying to get some locals to either sign up and try and get a local token drop, but, like, someone gets super engaged. They're like, yeah, yeah, cool, I want to buy um, I want to buy a token. Um, like, they will only start accruing the, you know, the citizens, not even from then, from when they mint, you know? So, like, what I'm saying is that, like, either they have to, like, go and spend money to try and get, like, an old one that's accrued tokens, which, if they're non-transferable, won't happen. Um, basically, what I'm saying is that, you know, you, if you found out about the project when it arrived in your city, and that's the first time you found out about it, you could be at a disadvantage to buy the art from the artists that are curated from your local city. That's, that's my take. Yeah. Well, there was like incentivized um, things you could do in each city. So we already have uh, we have three or four cities already, and in each city you could do something to earn citizen tokens. So say that could be like a treasure hunt, or visit a gallery, or do do something in that city, and the reward uh, citizen tokens. And then when you visit the portal, you verify with uh, with the reward from the from the activity. And then that's how you can earn citizen tokens, which you can then contribute to artist drops. And also, quickly, let's keep in mind that the tokens are not allowing you to purchase a mint pass. Like, that is not part of 
their function. It's more used to ensure that you're like in line to be able to get it than than it is to buy anything. So if anything, they could, as you said, Henry, like buy a citizen when they find out, oh, they're coming and I need a citizen to access this artwork. And then from that point, they can come to some of our meetups leading up to the show. And that's the way to get tokens. And like Henry said, doing these activities that are engaging. 100%. Yeah, but the, the tokens are a reward for your engagement with that system. And the city could be anything. Like, the, it's completely open, like, blank canvas, you know? I feel like yeah. this is also another reason why tokens should be assigned to a person and not to a token, because theoretically, then, somebody could be accruing token, wait, like, citizen tokens, while before the Mint, while there are the local meetups happening on Thursdays, right? Like, leading up to the minting. So, if you were able to register yourself as a human being, with one Ethereum address, then that would be a way to make sure that one person gets rewards instead of the tokens, if that makes sense. I, oh, sorry, Phil, you can, <laughs> No, no worries. I mean, so a, a couple of thoughts here. The first is, the first, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to video games because I think video games are one of the best analogies we have for engaging mechanisms that keep you playing for a long time, right? The goal of the citizen token is not to win the game, it is to keep playing the game. And a good video game starts out at the right level of difficulty, where when you first start playing, it's just hard enough that you can almost make it to the next level. And maybe you don't do it right away, but maybe on your second, third, or fourth try, you get to the next level and you get a feeling of accomplishment. I think when you first join the crypto citizen community, there needs to be a clear ladder where you join, you're like, oh my goodness, I can't wait till I have enough citizen tokens to be eligible for this amazing big drop. And I'm not there yet, but there's something available at my level where I can get started, right? And if you wanna shortcut the process and buy your way up, Sure, you can do that. You can go buy a bunch of mint passes or buy a bunch of citizens. But for the you know one third of the collection who join the project for free because they live in the city and they happen to meet the Bright Moments team, you should be able to do things that don't cost you money out of pocket to accrue tokens until eventually you have enough citizen tokens to be ready for that big art drop. And at this point, you know maybe it's been two, three, six months, and it feels like an accomplishment rather than something that you beat the game and now you're going to put it on the shelf and never play it again. Like we want to keep people engaged for a long time. Um, that's kind of point number one. Point number two is these citizen tokens, if done correctly, will feel like a leaderboard. And you should be proud to have a bunch of tokens because it means that you've been engaging in the break. Why are you being so low? Huh? Go ahead. Why are you being so low? Oh, the scratchy, 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 scratchy. <laughs> hey, Frederico, I think the, uh, I think you're, uh, you got a hot mic, man. <laughs> it might be the cat. <laughs> um, I lost, I lost my, my dog. Let's good. hope it's the cat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I love the idea of driving engagement because we could then have like different categories of engagement. Like we could do activities where you can grind stuff out over and over again and get rewards. And each city has different set tasks that you can do. Yep. So then, like, yeah. And, and like the the primary, um, the, the, you know, this calls about interfaces. I think the primary interface here that like the the thing that we should all be like 
thinking about is what is the progress bar and how do you fill that progress bar up and how do you get to the next level? And like, it should always be clear what the next action you can take is to get the progress bar up. And the next level should always feel like it's just far enough away that you have to work for it, but not so far enough away that you want to give up and stop playing. Like if we, if we do that right, the interface will design itself. I, so I guess that was sort of my conflict to a degree, right? Because then that, like, because obviously you're taking the cities, like, you know, one by one, right? So if you join at a later city, you join at a way later point, which means that, like, you're going to be further down that ladder by the nature of your city being later in the journey. So, like, to a degree, either you reset the, the, the tokens every three months and then gamify that, or you make the tokens specific per city, or you just accept the fact that there's going to be a hierarchy of being in the project from earlier. A couple thoughts real quick. I think that when we go to a new city, it is of paramount importance that we get people to participate early, come to meetups early. And I think there's disproportionate value that uh, those people that come early bring. You want people that want to be in the room whenever it's a, uh, a room of just a dozen people, not just the people that show up whenever it's hundreds of people and there's a DJ. So I think that if we have a system where to help to balance things, when we come to a new city, maybe those early meetups, the early rewards are amplified or multiplied because they are disproportionately valuable to setting up shop in a new city. So that's one way we could think about that. And another thing that just occurs to me is that when we start to describe this, we start to describe a leaderboard and giving points or giving tokens or giving whatever we're giving to people that are contributing. What it reminds me of is the early days of the DAO, right? It's kind of the same thing. And so maybe we just need to step back and like look at the historical context of maybe even what worked in the early days in Venice and what didn't and apply some of those lessons. Yep. Just to, just to share for context, when Bright Moment started, it was when uh, 10 million ERC-20 BRT tokens were minted on chain in March of 2021. And in Venice, uh, people that showed up early as volunteers to help set up the gallery in Windward were awarded a token grant. And in those early days, the tokens were basically given out unilaterally without any sort of vetting, right? It, it, these tokens didn't vest. It wasn't like you had to work for six months and then you earned them. Like it was in good faith. People that joined got 25,000 BRT tokens, which is 2.5 citizens, right? And that was for showing up, hanging TVs, running cables, painting, doing all the things that it took to get the gallery off the ground. Um, what worked there is that these tokens, which weren't worth anything, created a sort of social contract, which was, hey, you, you got something. And the expectation is that you are going to like show up and in good faith help as much as you can, understanding that some people can help more than others. Um, where it didn't work was people that received the tokens um, got a free lunch if they didn't help. And so it very much had the free rider problem where some people worked, other people didn't. The people that didn't had no kind of economic consequence for not working, right? Like here we are a year later and, and the people that stayed on the project have kind of benefited from being involved and, and those people that were involved at the beginning but are not, you know, uh, have kind of not been able to continue to mint every city and things like that. But like for all intents and purposes in those first couple months, like you basically got the tokens and could not do anything and, and still have the benefit. And so like my big lesson is you should get tokens after some action has been taken, not beforehand. Otherwise it can create some level of, 
I don't know. There's a feeling that you have when you like, we've all been on a project before where there's five people and there's always the one person in the project who doesn't do something. And you don't, you don't want to create an environment where that feeling exists. To illustrate the point that I was bringing, bringing uh, out before, let's say each crypto citizen earns 0.5 citizen token, right? Just for being passive, like staker. So each citizen, you know, you know, earns uh, point point five for whatever you know amount of time they're being staked. But then the act active community members, individuals, they they could earn like let's say five citizen tokens for for being active, whether it's in in, in real life events or they're you know helping out with you know creative uh, content or, or or whatever that case is. But if if that difference is uh, exponentially like higher than those people that are in the new city, they're gonna come in and get involved and they wanna purchase, you know, the art or, 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 or whatever they wanna do with their tokens. They're gonna be able to catch up with, with other other crypto citizen holders that has haven't been, you know, really active and they're just collecting, you know, passive staking because, you know, th- that collection is significant, significantly lower. Yeah, and I also wanted to bring up the point. Sorry, Phil, did you want to just respond to that specifically? Yep, I I, I agree. I think my only um, like modification there would be I think if you are a passive staker and you do nothing, the number of tokens you receive is zero. Just passively staking and holding a token to me does not feel like a value creation activity. Like holding for a long time and performing activities can, you know, like if you have had a citizen since the very beginning and never sold and voting, I could see that increasing the number of tokens you receive for taking the action. But one of the big topics we've had over the past two spaces is like just holding tokens and being a warm body should probably not earn you anything. You also need to do something that provides value. I I, I completely, I I like uh, that idea. And and that also then will automatically eliminate the well, the well, like kind of, you know, difference of, of, you know, equality in, in, in the whole like staking mechanism. I just wanted to bring up the point that while people are accruing, people who are, who have had citizens for longer are accruing tokens, but when Bright Moments goes to a new city and mints a new collection and there are new community members there, the older community members are also going to be spending their tokens for their place in line for the artwork anyway. And so I think we've been talking about like, oh, new community members are going to need to catch up to the older community members. But the older community members, some of them will maybe have a zero balance, for example. And so I'm not sure if it's as important to consider this particular aspect of the the token allocation. My opinion on like has changed quite a bit, I think, through just these talks. I think like as someone who minted a Venetian in Venice around a year ago, like, yeah, I feel like I should get some sort of reward for that. But my opportunity to have like for the time I've had it is that I get more votes to vote on. And by me enacting a governance for longer than someone else, that is my way of saying, hey, I'm a contributing member and I've had this Venetian a year ago. Therefore, I have more opportunities to get more points or more citizen tokens, I think, through governance. is That's the real timestamp of, I think, how we do without a multiplier. Maybe, maybe we say the first couple of votes that we put out are worth a little bit more as a way to incentivize people who are early on and enacting in governance. But I feel like that's a 
seemingly fair way of giving uh, benefit to those who are with the community early on and were voting. This is a really interesting topic um, because I, I I am not aware of any video games that reward people like the older players. So playing playing, I played a lot of games uh, growing up and um, still play some. But they're, they're, that's kind of the big thing in the community is that old players are like oh, every reward older players but what about runescape party hats or santa yeah. hats but like that's not a thing right they don't get dropped out to like that that's like oh my god a blue party hat kind of thing but the, what they what they do do is drive engagement in the when you play it currently so that it's like you get rewarded for engaging with the game if you join late oh well catch up uh if you if you've been playing ages then you've, you've probably got accrued everything throughout the time you've been playing it um so the reward the reward is that if you've been playing for a long time you you build up the ability to to play better in the current time but older players are never really rewarded simply for being like og players the reward is that you've built up and accrued the rewards over that time but like there are no games i'm aware of that have ever dropped stuff i think i think i see what you mean so rather than like rather than rewarding for time you're basically getting rewarded for how much you've actually done in the game yeah that time yeah that makes sense yep and and if there is a status system let's call it you know just for lack of a better term bronze silver gold right rather than getting to silver by just being around for six months you get to silver after you voted on five proposals and maybe it takes six months for five proposals to come across your desk and maybe you miss one of them but maybe that's what it takes to get to the next level right and so that that gives us a leveling system as well as kind of the point system so along the way you're also being able to spend things but if i spend all of my points from from my bronze level on a drop it doesn't mean i drop down back to bronze i'm still the silver level right because i've actually I, I earned those points i'm not losing my status i and I, I chose how to spend them and and staking is new for all of us right so we're all starting with the same playing field so whatever you hold you're going to have the same opportunities to level up as everybody else everyone okay. this is like the ideal video game situation because we're all at the, we're all at the same playing field and Phil, why, why is why is status relevant other than the amount of citizen tokens you have one thing we discussed was that there could be two ways to provide benefits one is you spend tokens and this is like okay i want a thousand chances to get uh, on the bright list for the you know uh city six collection the other one is like passive benefits so if you're a silver status and you come to mint there's a glass of champagne waiting for you or you get a free piece of merch when you mint as a you know silver crypto citizen or you know you can get on the standby list for a for a bright list and you have preference over people who are a bronze level and so you can do things based on status that don't require you to actually spend tokens they're passive because you've earned the right to have that status and maybe your status expires after a year or whatever so it doesn't get saturated but you can do uh interesting things and it's like a leaderboard right like yeah, you should have street cred. Like if you're if you're gold status, that is you know street cred because you earned that. You got the sparkles. Yeah, you got, you got the sparkles. Henry's gonna get his sparkles. I was just <laughs> noticing that there's. It seems like also we're maybe having two different conversations, right? There's like the overall tokens earned, and that would be like the bronze level, bronze, silver, gold status, or whatever. And then there's also the number of tokens held. So um, there's the ones that you still 
have that you're able to use. And then there's also, I just also wanted to make the point that like anybody in the world right now could become a member of the crypto citizens and start accruing rewards before we go to their region. And so it's another reason why it's another reason why I think maybe it's not so necessary to um, consider the the older or to consider that like newer people need to be able to catch up with the exception of people who earn a token through community engagement or like that they were that they were nominated and maybe that one could come with um, a token bonus if you were like nominated for being you know somebody who's like active in the actual community there yes yep agreed i, I think my one caveat blue moon um i agree to everything you said and and the, the one kind of and i will add is i think the status you know calling it bronze silver gold for now is not just points that you've earned so i i think it's like an and statement i think it's you've earned a thousand points and voted in at least one governance proposal and you know nominated one person to join a new city and you can do things like that that make sure that in order to get to the next level of status you are a well rounded crypto citizen and not just someone who either throws money at it uh, or just just does like m votes without actually engaging like you can set different criteria i think DECA has been doing a really good job of this with their new gallery. It's a little bit too intense for me, honestly. Like, it's kind of hard to keep up with all the different ways, but, like, it's pretty clear how to get to the next level. And if you're about it, like, you can grind it and do it. Um, I think doing something like that where it's tough enough that it takes you a long time, but there's a clear path is, is really important. But, but wouldn't you get tokens for doing all of those things that you mentioned? Yes. Yeah, the, okay. and that's the important part. So it's like, okay, if if you want to get to, let's say silver is a thousand tokens and at least one governance vote um, and the governance vote gives you 500 tokens. Well, w once you voted once, you're already halfway there. Then you just have to earn another mm -hmm. 500 do through doing something else, right? So it's almost like there's like a there's like the token accrual and then also some kind of badging system for participating in certain ways. That's right. That's right. And the status is, uh, in my opinion, definitely non-transferable. Like that is very tightly tied to an individual person. Um, do you think it should be wallet based though? I don't know. Um, That's the tough part, right? I can really see the benefit of like choose your character and like you pick one crypto citizen and like that is your person and like that thing is leveling up and like you're never going to sell it because it is like a you know triple gold status. The only issue I have is like if someone doesn't have a citizen or any Bright Moments collection mints and they do something like buy a mint pass, it's unclear to me where those tokens would accrue if they don't already have a Bright Moments token in their wallet. Um, maybe, like I'm just trying to think of edge cases there. The only thing for me about tying it to a wallet is and not having it be transferable as far as like the status and everything goes is you know i have different wallets for different levels of security some of my citizens are on you know uh, a hardware wallet some of them are in a hot wallet you know whatever most of them are, are in a cold storage that i i never touch you know what i mean um so and typically, I, I mint all of my citizens into a hot wallet and then transfer them to the cold wallet so that I don't have to, you know, you know, security best practices and stuff. Under that, it would be, you know, kind of annoying 
if for whatever reason I left my citizen in my hot wallet, didn't transfer it, it accrued stuff, I voted, whatever. And then, you know, later down the line, I'm like, oh, damn, this is a silver gold level. And then I can't transfer it and it gets wiped. That's the only thing I'm kind of trying to think through. Mm, yeah, that's a good that's a good case. I'm thinking also this is another good reason why we would have um, tokens accrue not on not on the citizen tokens, but on some kind of proof of person token that's associated that's like directed to your wallet, so that you know it, that you like sign up with just one address as a human being in a physical space or as somebody that you know the the bright moments team knows but then i feel like it would get really complicated with multipliers and stuff and like the that that proof of proof of person token would have to be in the same wallet as the rest of your citizens anyway right so what i'm thinking about now is like that's a great point that you just brought up what if there was like some type of soulbound nft we would give and then you can delegate any of your own citizens to that uh that soulbound nft which is non-transferable the actual nft would be non-transferable but if you wanted to transfer the rewards or the status that is accrued to another soulbound nft you could do that if you wanted to maybe that's that's a potential solve yep and and let me kind of walk you through one possible scenario so the reason we are using erc20 tokens is because they are really wonderful um primitives that come built into ethereum that you can't like they, they don't exist right like this is why crypto is so exciting because these sort of globally transferable tokens are the building blocks of applications um tokens are good for one thing these kind of nfts and status are good for another thing maybe one thought you pick a citizen for your status accrue to like when you start your when you start your staking journey it's almost like when you're starting a video game and you're you're picking your character's attributes it's okay okay choose wisely like whichever citizen you pick is going to be the citizen that accrues all the status However, because the rewards are earned in ERC-20 tokens, it doesn't matter which wallet you do them from, right? Like if I buy a mint pass from a burner wallet and then I get 20 ERC-20 tokens sent to that wallet, who cares? I can send it to the vault, right? It's not a big deal. But what you can say is any action that this wallet takes, that status accrues to this citizen, token ID number one, right? And so then what you can do is you can have a system where your citizen's safe in a vault and you're basically, that citizen is being delegated rewards from other wallets you know maybe in some cases these are other citizens that you own maybe you own you know three other citizens and you're saying yep any any that like rewards or status these citizens accrue goes to my my main guy um and and that is a kind of a nice way to separate those systems and i think we would probably want to whiteboard it out but one thing that crypto citizens to me have always sort of lacked is people feeling really really associated with a specific one because people have the chance to earn all 10 right and so like i have my pfp this is my guy i love him with the cowboy hat and the sunglasses but like yeah i have a couple other citizens and like sometimes i switch back and forth like if this was my main character i would literally never change his pfp ever and i would never sell it no question um it feels like a nice way to tie in some actual mechanism to that feeling i like that a lot programming this is gonna be wild (laughs) hey listen i'm just the idea guy to use an example like delegated voting like how many people here claimed the uh, ens airdrop uh i think this was a couple months ago 
So when you claim the ENS air, when you claim the ENS airdrop, one of the first things it made you do before you could claim your ERC twenty tokens was delegate, and you could either delegate to your wallet, which was like, hey, I'm going to vote for myself. I, I don't choose a representative, right? I'm sovereign. Or you could delegate to a chosen list of other wallets, and it, this is sort of like that, which is like, okay, hey, the staking portal is live, and you go through the flow. First thing, you know, choose your main character. Which of the crypto citizens in your wallet is going to be your main character, and then do you want to choose other wallets so if any actions from these wallets do something they accrue to your character and you could just sign a message saying like yep anything my burner wallet does this is me it goes to my citizen and then you get in the other situation of like you know what hey maybe um maybe icon doesn't want to keep up on every vote but he wants to give half of his voting rewards to brocker who's going to vote on his behalf and brocker does it because it's a good deal for him like he's super active in the dow he's going to vote anyway and he'll be icon's representative and be able to share those rewards with him uh it feels like a really nice model that kind of pops out of this just a question on that um Apologies, I'm non-technical. Um, <clears throat> if give say my example, I've been holding my golden token for London since Berlin, so I don't actually. I do have a, a crypto citizen, but say it was I was new, I've been holding that golden token, and I'm not going to get my citizen until I mint it in July. So I could be holding for two, three months, being an active participant in the community would that still work would that would there still be a way to to link that and and then kind of pass that on to the citizen i honestly think that we should do that because it seems like there's um for the golden token specifically i feel like they should have most of the utility of the citizens because they are inherently a citizen at the end of the day um, or the right to a citizen essentially um i think that incorporating those is definitely a necessity for sure because like to your point say you know there was only a couple gold tokens available somebody bought one in berlin for london and that was the only one that they were able to get they are at a not necessarily disadvantage but they are not at a um as much of an advantage as somebody who just outright bought a citizen. So I definitely think we should incorporate that for sure to help out. Yeah, and and to give a concrete example, so Icon, let's say for example, you bought a golden token in April, right? When you purchased that golden token through the marketplace in this new system, you would have earned citizen token. Maybe buying a golden token is 500 tokens. But if you didn't have a citizen yet, you wouldn't have earned status for that, right? So you would have gotten the ERC-20 tokens, maybe, or maybe you just bought the golden token. Um, but once you have a citizen, then you can start to basically like compound the actions that you take within the community. And so that's one reason why having a citizen, like it unlocks the governance and it unlocks the fact that with every action you take at bright moments, it compounds on it and gives you like th these additional reasons to continue participating. Um, I, like I think it's important that people that buy mint passes for artists can earn ERC twenty tokens for doing it. Um, but to me, like the status part is the distinction between citizens and non-citizens. That makes sense. So we got Max here. How you doing, Max? I am doing well. Um, how's everyone else doing? Good and well. awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I I also claimed the ENS airdrop uh, a little little while ago and. Uh, kind of a cool thing in retrospect, and I think, like, by no means have I been, you know, the best citizen voting on every governance uh, uh, vote or whatnot, but I have kind of voted for the big ones. Um, and I think a great way to reward that going forward in terms of delegation or whatnot is 
say if you delegate to someone who's more active, then you can get those rewards. But if you delegate um, or just keep it for yourself and don't vote, you almost get penalized a little bit. So say there's been six votes outstanding, I've voted for four and missed two, um, then I, I'd say that's like a pretty decent job overall. Um, you get four points and then maybe those two get get slashed by just a little bit because you, you kind of failed to vote, failed to participate. Um, I think this kind of reinforces the the best actors rising to the top, kind of that like cream rises to the top. Um, so just one that I had to kind of make sure the most active people um, and the people that are truly invested kind of get to the top. Um, and then those rewards can accrue to whatever citizen you, kind of what we were talking about earlier, like your main PFP, your main guy um, kind of gets that. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. So one of the things so so in ENS's case, they, like I've drawn a lot of inspiration from this. What they did was they needed to do something really important, which was pass a vote for the Dow governance. And instead of saying, hey, go pass this vote, it's your duty, they gave an incentive, which was, hey, you're about to receive this airdrop. It's probably worth something, but before you can receive the airdrop, you need to go through and ratify these articles. Like if you remember, they had four articles for their um, for their constitution, and before you could even claim your airdrop, you needed to ratify the articles and choose a delegate. And so I think that these moments, you know, minting or claiming an airdrop are like they're like choke points. Everyone in the community needs to pass through them because there's a strong incentive to do so. And that's a good way to drive actions that are important. So like the fact that you needed to vote in order to claim the airdrop was like, oh, okay, this is how I vote in the DAO and I'm gonna claim a delegate. Like it, it is a really interesting model. And you know, when we do things like claiming the crypto Londoner airdrop, um, that that is a good opportunity. Like when we voted on city five, before people could vote on city five, they needed to ratify the, the provisional governance structure. And that was a very intentional decision because everyone wanted to vote on city five. It was really exciting, London, Lisbon, Paris. And then there was kind of this like dry boilerplate lawyer stuff for the, the, the DAO structure. But we had one of the highest turnouts of all time because people were so excited about the city five vote that they also went through the process of voting for the provisional governance structure and like reading through the articles, which otherwise they wouldn't have been bothered to do. The, the idea of delegating to other people and receiving rewards is really interesting. Um, I, I wonder what the reward breakdown should be. Like if I'm your delegate, Max, what percentage of the tokens should you receive for, like let's say that every time you vote, you receive one token. If I'm your delegate and I vote on your behalf, should I receive half a token? Should I receive less than half or more than half? How are you thinking about that? Um, that I mean, that's a great question and by no means I, I've no answer and happy to hear, but what I envision is that as kind of the owner and say you've already staked and, and kind of shown commitment and want to stick around, then you would still kind of earn the lion's share of that. But the de delegation and like uh, the person kind of going through and doing the active participation gets a slice, um, whether that's a quarter or somewhere like in between 0 0.1, 0 0.25. Um, that seems to be what I was thinking. Happy to hear like everyone else's thoughts or, or if that's even a right idea. And also I'm trying to think of a way it can't, can't necessarily be gamed. Um, yeah. What does everyone else think? Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. If, if the person is uh, delegating it to someone, the, the percentage uh, would be less than being an active uh, partic participant. How do ENS and Optimism do it? Is it reduced rewards or is it the same? 
So the airdrop, uh, the way that I understand it was one time based on previous activity. Um, and I don't actually believe that they reward you for voting. I believe they, do, they did that, that whole vote, voting mechanism so they could, you know, stay away from, from being a, a security. Yeah, as far as I understand it, is, it was all retroactive. And then pretty much the people who utilized it the most, as in like, um, you resolved your public address to that ENS domain, then you kind of get a multiplier there. So um, I believe it was all retroactive rather than kind of continuing forward with voting and things like that. Um, yeah. And, and this is one area where it, you know, it has a really nice counterbalance. Let's say that um, you know, I, we've been kind of talking, how, how do we mitigate the effect of whales in the community who have a bunch of citizens and they cast one vote and they get like 20 times rewards? Well, there's your answer. If you're a delegate, then you can get 20 people to delegate your votes for you. And maybe, you know, maybe you don't get uh, 20 times the number of tokens, but you're basically earning rewards for, for, for providing a service without needing to have giant ETH bags to go sweep the floor. And that to me provides a really nice way for community members who are active to earn the currency of the community uh, without needing to lay out cash. I am a little bit confused because I didn't know that we were talking about people. Are we talking about people voting for other people, like as a delegate in that way? Because doesn't that kind of like incentivize passive holding? Yeah, let me let me provide some context here. So I think that, you know, in a well-functioning DAO democracy, whatever you want to call it, in early stages, I think direct democracy can work. It's not very complicated. Everyone kind of has full context. As we grow, there's going to become increasingly nuanced voting decisions. And some people will be really engaged and understand the topics. I think we'll also start to see different voting blocks where people have different outstanding opinions. One of these that has started forming already is the idea of unsold mint passes. There are currently two perspectives within the community about what we should do for mint passes that remain unsold after an artist show. And the way that we resolved it was a community vote. Um, if you're someone who is not super engaged in the community, but you know that every time there's a vote, you have to go press a button in order to get like the reward, right? Like your monkey brain is going to go to the vote and just like pick the first option and click vote. Like that, what we will, like, yes, we want to have a lot of people voting, but what we don't want to have is like very uninformed voting for nuanced topics. And what delegation allows you to do is say, listen, I'm engaged. I'm going to read these things and provide my opinion, but I'm also aware that there are other people in the community whose opinion I respect. And so I'm willing to delegate my vote to them. And so this is called liquid democracy, which is not really common because the technology has not existed for it in kind of the scale that we needed it. And the idea is like, I trust Blue Moon. Her and I agree on a lot of things. And, you know, I'm engaged. Um, I still want to kind of take this action to prove that I care about the crypto citizen community. But, like, I got other stuff going on in my life. I'm not in the Discord all the time. And I don't really have enough of an opinion to vote on topics. But I know I mostly trust Blue Moon's opinion. Well, you can delegate your voting power to her. And then in reward for kind of being up to date and providing the service, Blue Moon receives a portion of the your voting rewards. And so to me, it feels fine. Like, it, yes, it's technically passive because the person who delegated their citizen didn't have to go in and press the button. But it's also not passive because they are kind of actively choosing a representative. And you can do things like, you know, automatically reset delegates after a set period of time. So if someone's truly inactive, they'll stop earning rewards. Um, but it, it like... It is a sort of nice way to incentivize delegates to do a job that is sort of thankless, which is like staying up to date on governance proposals and voting on them. 
Okay, that is that was super useful. Thank you for explaining that. But then also, there's nothing really stopping somebody who's already a whale from becoming a delegate and then just like getting tons of rewards, right? Um, yes, for sure. And like to one extent, we have to ask ourselves: is this is this necessarily an awful thing? Like, um, I we we don't have a very large concentration of whales in our community. Like most of our largest token holders are early DAO members who have a lot of BRT tokens because that when the DAO was first formed, it was a small group of people. But by the end of the project, the progressive decentralization is such that like there won't be a single person who can own more than 10% without actually buying up tokens themselves. And so unlike other projects where we have a big like pre-mined allocation, we don't really have the whale problem that like board apes do where there's a bunch of people that bought you know 0.008 apes and they bought 40 of them at the very beginning and then they cornered different traits like we don't have that issue because of our progressive decentralization and rollout model um i also think that we have a higher trust community than non-irl communities and so like we can talk about whales in the abstract but in reality like these the whales are mostly people that we know who have invested financially in the project because they want to see it succeed um maybe over the medium to long term horizon i could see this being an issue if like there are big institutions that buy up crypto citizens but in the short term i am less worried about mitigating the effects of whales than i would be for a fully anon community um or like an erc20 token community um and, and, and also just one more thing why i have my train of thought here um if the community really doesn't want to do that they just won't delegate to whales and they'll delegate to smaller token holders instead that's kind of the nice part it has like a self-regulating model part of me thinks that we might not even need that as much as we might think we do right now because once we have released our portal you know it'll be a lot easier to interact with like votes and doing things that are engaging because it's going to be a lot easier to access and it will all be in one place. So like ideally too, that won't be happening as much as we think because it'll just be a lot easier to know where I can vote and know where I can, you know, engage in these activities that we talk are talking about. Yes, yes. And that is a crucial part of liquid democracy is at any point, the person who delegated votes can jump in and vote. So like, let's say there's a vote coming up and I've delegated my votes to Blue Moon, but I know that she is on one side of the debate and I'm on the other. I can just vote and I can receive 100% of the voting rewards. And it doesn't mean I have to undelegate, but just like for that one vote, I can choose to vote differently than she will. And that's totally possible. I don't think we've, there's a whale problem because there's going to be so much amazing art that you want to spend your citizen tokens on that you're, you're going to be broke all the time. <laughs> I, that hits deep. But it's, do you know what I mean? It's a different, <laughs> yeah. it's a different setup. You're, you're talking about giving rewards that people can then go and spend uh, on. You know, I think Blue Moon said it well before. You've got your kind of four core values, and there's and the, the rewards are typically going to be linked to art, you know, bright lists, etc. So if I'm, you know, if I'm stacking. I might be stacking citizen tokens because there is a drop or an, or a, um, a bright list that I really want to get on. But once that comes around, I'm going to be spending those tokens. Yep, totally agree. 
I think the thing that we're talking about is whales earn tokens at a faster rate than non-whales. And so even though like the absolute amount of tokens they have in their wallet might be similar, the more citizens you hold, or I guess the more citizens that are under your influence, whether that's through people delegating to you or whether you directly owning them, it's actually kind of hard to hard to tell the difference on chain. The faster you'll be able to accrue tokens. Uh, so you mean they're sweeping them all up each time ahead of a yeah. drop? Yes, yeah, so it's not even sweeping them up. Like right, like if, if I own you know twenty citizens, um, I can earn purport like twenty times more tokens at, at, in the course of a month than someone who is only holding one. And and maybe that ratio is not quite right. But the idea is like you you can replace your you can replenish your hopper faster. So if I spend a bunch of tokens on a drop, it doesn't necessarily I'm, I means I'm broke for the next drop if I have a bunch of citizens because I've probably earned a bunch more tokens in the meantime. So it could, you know like that is the I think the thing we're trying to mitigate is it feeling like it's unfair and one person's always winning over and over and over again. That's that's not a fun game to play. That's called like having a bunch of older brothers and playing pickup basketball and always getting put on the losing team. It depends. I guess it depends on the the weighting that you give to the reward IRL versus voting etc um, if it's you know if, if there's a heavier weighting on IRL and that's linked to a real person um, less opportunity yes. to, to to whale up exactly so maybe you have 20 citizens in your wallet but one you know proof of personhood soulbound NFT because you're only one person Phil what's up um, I'm kind of thinking forward a little bit and maybe it's something more that's like roadmap slash maybe another space thought further in the future but I'm just thinking about how this is going to work for like sub DAOs and events that sub DAOs may hold for themselves so like let's say that you know the Berlin sub DAO starts having Berlin events or they've got some kind of governance proposal that's Berlin specific how is that going to work in the sense of like the, the Berlin tokens versus the global tokens and then if we've got these rewards going in how does that operate so I, I don't think there is a city specific token I think we're kind of talking like when you go to New York City you don't use a different dollar bill than when you go to Pennsylvania and I think we kind of want to sim- think about this in a similar model where it's like a, a federalist system where there's sort of like you know there's a common currency there's kind of a common governance structure and then each individual local chapter can choose to do things slightly differently in my opinion this does set up a weird incentive where like in theory Berlin could just launch 10 votes a month that are super low effort and meaningless and their their members could like rake in tokens like you could definitely have that but a way you could get around that yeah. happening is in order for any sub DAO to launch a vote it needs to be approved by four out of the other 10 sub DAOs um, to kind of prevent that sort of gaming from happening and like in the long term when I think about bright moments at the end of 10 cities it's less about the core team and it's more about those sub DAO signers having to work with each other and so like you know in my opinion like yes if berlin does a bunch of events and those members are going to events and the sub is super active like those people should be earning rewards for doing that because what that incentivizes is for you to activate your local community um obviously any system can be gamed and we have to set up some safeguard in place to prevent that but uh, you know I, I think it is a common currency and i think that um there will be things that are exclusive to certain crypto citizen holders like you know votes for berlin only crypto berliners can vote on them and the side effect of that is only crypto berliners earn the rewards for that which will probably surprise people the first time it happens yeah and also i think that it is appropriate to reward communities or chapters that are being more active because that is what we've been talking about this entire time you know two out of the four 
actually it covers like three out of at least three out of out of the four of those values governance community and IRL experiences so if local chapters are doing stuff then yeah I think it does make sense for them to be rewarded and then there's the possibility that you know maybe a community member is near you know located out a chapter that isn't as active and that could be for a lot of different reasons but I think that it would be reasonable to say like okay well if you want more stuff to happen like you can submit a DAO proposal you can organize an event etc cetera, etc cetera, and then encourage com- um, contributing to that local chapter I think the only thing that's kind of like a down- downside there is that if the sub DAO signers were like I don't know, let's say in an extreme case, like control freaks and like not letting anything happen or, you know, maybe um, there was a catastrophe in their life and they weren't able to just kind of like show up and do their job, then it could have ripple effects for the community. Absolutely. Yeah, like on top of that, I think it's also just from like a development perspective, you'll need to make sure that you can maybe you know, like there isn't just like a default amount of rewards per proposal, for example, because then it would be very open to gaming. So you, know, you, you either need to like figure out how you can like assign an amount of, of, of you know, tokens to be distributed from signing or, or figure out how to deal with that. Because yeah, if one sub out just had a ton of proposals for loads of different things because they got the community really involved, yeah, how much is too much? Like, how do you define, a, how do you weight a proposal? You know, is there just like one universal weight? And if it's a small community that's doing loads of proposals, do they all just get the same amount of tokens each time they vote? How does that work? I guess there's just more thinking there, maybe. Totally. One way to do it is a fixed number per proposal, and it's high enough to incentivize people to do proposals, but low enough that it's not really worth gaming. Another way to do it is there is a fixed number of crypto citizen tokens that are available across the DAO for any proposal. And then those are split up evenly across proposals from all the sub DAO. So if Berlin does four proposals and New York does one, then Berlin will end up accruing 80% of the citizen tokens for that time period, call it a quarter. Another way to do it is there's a fixed number of citizen tokens available for a time period and the proposals earn zero tokens. And then at the end of the time period, the community votes on what propo- which proposal was the best and which proportion of tokens it should receive. So if you passed a proposal that didn't really work or didn't get implemented, maybe the community wouldn't give you that many tokens for it. But if you like passed a, like a, a tiny proposal that turned out to have a big impact, the community retroactively could say, actually, this was a really big deal. We think you should receive 60% of all the tokens from this time period for doing it because it was a, a really good outcome for the community. And that is a nice benefit of like, yeah. it's, it's retroactive, so you actually know how it worked instead of having to guess. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think for me as well, there's a balance yeah, of, of, yeah, like the proposal token, yeah, the, the tokens from proposals, then also like IRL events and engagement, you know? So if you're running like a bunch of events, um, or for example, if there's like a like a large event, so for example, you had, a, you had 100 print in New York, right? That was like a major event with lots of engagement. Like, I guess it's just thinking about how these things get measured and like how, yeah, how, how we tokenize that engagement like I, just, just throwing out questions here not, not really anything specific from my take yep so taking 100 print I think there was a couple things people could earn tokens by buying a draft pick right like that is basically a mint pass and so anyone that participated in the Dutch auction probably would have received tokens and maybe based on where in the Dutch auction you buy you received more or less tokens so there's an incentive to get in early anyone that minted 100 print probably would have received tokens. So anyone that actually converted their draft pick token into an NFT. And then I would say there'd probably be like another bonus for people that came in person. 
that to me feels like the right combination of like supply for that event because it was an event because it was an event that like the core team did i don't think there's like a community bonus like that's kind of the expectation of the core team and that's why we get paid right because like we put on these events um but it, let's say 100 print was like a community organized activity then maybe after the event was over there's a fixed number of tokens and like the community can decide okay hey this was actually blue moon's idea for an event she should get 60 percent of the tokens because it was a smashing success and like amicia showed up and did a great job and so she gets 20 and you can do things like that hey everyone i've got to go because it's getting a bit late here got work in the morning um just wanted to say it's really interesting learning a lot um i think it's a really complex task you've got there's so many variables law of unintended consequences so much to think through just wondering where might be good i feel like kind of stuck on on the mechanism and the rewards and there's there's so many different ideas and so many different things to think through where's a good place to kind of come back um uh, with a summary of thoughts which which channel would that be on the discord it's a great question so we've been doing things in the governance channel for this i would also say like we have gov.brightmoments.io which there's a thread that um is like called i think it's called bright benefits that was i posted last week if you have some longer more structured thoughts feel free to post it there it'll automatically get like cross posted to the discord and then we can just continue the conversation like i think about gov.bright moments as useful for structured long-form conversation Maybe I need to read it a couple times before I can give you a thoughtful response. And then Discord is like quick chatter, like I'm looking for feedback, maybe you want to talk about this a couple bullet points back and forth. Um, and so that's probably the breakdown, like a longer thing in the governance forum. And then once you post it, it'll get cross posted to Discord automatically. Great. Yeah, that's because there's, there's so much you almost need to need to let it all rest, settle, think through it all and, and kind of structure a bit more of a longer response. And that's probably going to be more helpful. Um, the only thing I would I would leave you with is just a thought on, I mean, I see so many people struggle just with how do I mint how do i get my token um a lot of what we're talking about today and and the different variables and the different uh, mechanisms um it's going to be confusing for a lot of new citizens so um i know we talked about it before but if there's a way to simplify it make it really easy to understand and, and not overly complex i think that's definitely the way to go i agree Thank you, Icon. I really appreciate, we all really appreciate your input and how much you're like listening and thinking and contributing to the community. See you all soon. Yay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I think it's really important that we keep it simple. And like as much as it sounds complicated while we're all working through the mechanics, I think that we can, as a team, like huddle and figure out a way to simplify all of this in terms of just language and how it's explained and executed. Um, It can feel overwhelming when we're like almost two hours deep into a conversation about it. It takes a lot of work to make something simple. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree that uh, it is more advantageous for the community to keep it simple because then people won't be just like scared and run away as soon as they see what's going on. And I think it's also really interesting. We came into this conversation talking about the interface, but it sounds like we mostly talked about tokenomics. This idea that we've had during the call of 
status accrues to citizens, but rewards accrue like tokens, citizen tokens accrue to the wallet that took the action to me feels like it's like it's an important breakthrough.